Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Well, good morning. It's been our pleasure to have Mark Crawford here in town with us for the last few days. Uh, Great to have you back, Lou. I was looking forward to seeing you today, (laughs) our snowbird. (laughs) So uh, I know the Lord's put some things on Mark's heart, and uh, we've, we've been processing a lot of things together uh, the last few days. It's It's been really good. Uh, so I just invite you to partner with the Holy Spirit the rest of this morning. And uh, we, we are receiving a special offering this morning for Mark, and, and we're still receiving uh, gifts for uh, Daniel Hudson's mission trip to South America. Uh, so if if you want to give a designated offering, make sure that you've designated that somehow <laughs> so that it gets to the right place. So, Mark, uh, welcome. Good morning. Let me just get myself a little bit organized here. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. <sighs> I um, <laughs> I sort of um, get used to a little um, these sort of times. Um, but then I'm not always used to it as well. So it's when I have something prepared and then God messes with it, um, which is entirely what he's entitled to do. But uh, I, I should be used to it because it happens so often, but particularly in a place where um, you create such a presence for God, presence for him to be in. Um, so. Um, as I was sitting in the uh, in my seat there, I I could I could look out through that window and uh, all the cars going backwards and forwards caught my attention, and uh, I felt like the Lord say that um, uh, you are you are situated here right now at a crossroads. Um, and it's it's a crossroads time. It's a crossroads season. And when you're at a crossroads, it means that you have a number of paths to, to go. And I wrote this down. I felt like the Father said that of the path that he's chosen for you as a community of people is an unfamiliar path. Um, and also for paths that have not yet been formed, paths that are not popular, 
Um, but all of these three types of paths lead to great adventures. They lead to places that you would never expect to be in. Places others want to be in. Places others want to experience, but they, they don't want to make the way or make the path to get there. They don't want to take the path to get there. So, um, you know, you are, in effect, are forerunners because those paths actually end up um, and those places that, that, you, that you travel on uh, end up being popular places after quite a period of time. That's sort of what forerunners are. There are people who can see ahead and they, and they go places and they do things where nobody else's or very few people are doing and then everybody wants to do it. Uh, but not everybody wants to, 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 to pay the price. Um, and so it's like a, a forerunner is, is really who God has um, called you to be. Um, I, I, uh, I've sort of been in a season, it seems to be for quite a while, but um, the, the, the uh, great English writer Charles Dickens wrote a book called Tale of Two Cities. And uh, a quote in that book is, it was the, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Um, and it sort of feels like that with me uh, at the moment. It feels like it's the best of times. Um, I've I've seen so many things happen. I just, for me, uh, I just celebrated. Uh, well, I'll just celebrate if that's quite the word. Twenty four years of being in full time ministry, um, and um, and yet in this last twelve months, I, I've seen more things happen. I've seen more people get healed. I've seen more things significantly take place than I think I've ever seen at any other time. And yet it's also been some of the greatest struggles, some of the greatest times that, um, uh, you know, I, I've struggled with things and, and even been a bit ashamed at my reaction to some things. Um, it's been um, also the time, and probably I'll, I'll talk a little more about um, this tonight in, in another area, about how I've also had um, times of... of uh, um, connection with God and um, and at times just felt so undone by God because of how he's, how he's been touching me. And I don't think I'm the only one that that's happening to. Because it does feel like it's the best of times and it does feel at times it's the worst of times. I've also noticed that um, in, the, in the last bit of seasons, God's been changing definitions that we used to have. Definitions that we used to know well, you know, what, what church is, what relationships are, what success is. He's been changing some of those sorts of things. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not a weakness to, to be pursuing something and then change because God's been revealing something else because he does it so often. He leads you in a particular way. Uh, it's not because he's being a, a saddest or anything. It's just because you need to accomplish some things. And he says, now, okay, now I want you to go this way. Um, and um, and that's the whole area of change. I mean, everybody loves change. And it, until it affects them. 
right? But we also we all know that if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll have what you've always had. So people want change, but they don't want to stop doing what they've always done. And so it's something that I've I've spoken about for quite a few years. Um, and it's really one thing to keep speaking about it, but it's another thing when it starts to happen to you. We've, we as people have been made for community, right? We've not been made for independence. We've not been made to do it alone. We've made for community. And community is, is, has the best of times and the worst of times. But community is who God is. Because if you think about it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have have never been alone. Even though there was a time in which Jesus was, was separated from God, he was, but he wasn't. So they've never lived, God has never lived on his own. He's always lived in community. Um, and everything that he's ever said and everything he will ever say, say comes out of that place of community. So independence is so anti-God. And uh, yeah, it's, it is really good. So waiting for that. Sometimes I just need to say it myself so I can just hear it. But you see, we've we've also been made for faith. And and we've been made to be overwhelmed with with God's goodness and and His Majesty and and you know all of those sorts of things. That's what we make, and that's why we have a difficulty when we're overwhelmed with the things of this world, with the cares of this world, where we're overwhelmed with worry and anxiety. Our bodies just don't cope because we haven't been made for it, right? We, our body's not been made for those sorts of things. Our body's not been made to be overwhelmed by negative emotions, and yet they happen. We're not being made to be overwhelmed by worry or anxiety. That's why we find it hard to cope with those sorts of things. That's probably why um, uh, Paul said this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Right? It says, hey, submit yourselves to God. Come bring yourself into that place. Bring yourself constantly into His presence. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there is a choice that we get to make. Like um, we were reminded about this morning, God is always, heaven is always creating an invitation for us, always putting out an invitation. You hear God say, come. You hear him say, listen, surrender this. It's, the, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's, it's not so much a command, it's more an invitation. That's why when I prophesy over people, I try and remind them that what God is saying is not fait accompli. It's not just going to happen if you put your feet up and just wait for it to take place. It's an invitation to partner with Him because He only He knows partnership. That's what God is. That's what relationship is. And uh, that's why you were born again, so that you could have relationship with God. So He says, listen to me. Listen, there is there's one or two things going to happen. You either conform or you transform. You either conform or you transform. Another translation, J.B. Phillips' translation, says this. Don't let the world push you into its mold so that when you, when you are pushed into a place of conforming, then you are molding into the ways of this world. We're not made for that. 
That's why we struggle. And yet we, we often allow the things that are around about us to determine how we'll see things, how we'll live in ways, and how we will uh, even interpret what God has to say. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the world. We live in the world, but we live a transformational life. Transforming. Now, transformation, transforming, the word is, uh, in the Greek, is metamorpho. It's where we get metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis is best described, I think, from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Yeah? Right? Caterpillar. Sorry if they are your most favorite insect or whatever. They are ugly. I don't like them. They're creepy. Um, and yet every caterpillar is destined to fly. Everybody wants the butterflies. Few people want to deal with the caterpillars. You know, uh, our 30th wedding anniversary went, went, went up in north, north of Australia. That was actually five years ago. It was that long. Um, uh, and, um, and so... Uh, we went into the tropics uh, of, of Australia. We, we had time on an island, and um, in one particular place, my wife said, um, "Honey, I want to go and see, I want to go to this I want to go to this um, butterfly house." And I said, oh, "Okay." So we got there. Ah, it was expensive, but anyway, she wanted to go in, so we went in. So we went into this butterfly house, and she spent just ages taking photos of every single different butterfly. They're of different colors, just well, ages and ages. We had so many photos of butterflies. I'm looking around and thinking, okay, seen this, let's get out of here. It's like, you know, they're all butterflies. But there were stacks of people in there. And I'm telling you, it was quite expensive, people just to walk around and look at the butterflies. Okay, and, and you know, they had all this information about butterflies. But there were stacks of people, busloads of people turning up to go into this butterfly house to look at butterflies. Now, I've seen that there are some other butterfly places in different nations as well. And a lot of people paying to go and look at the butterflies. But I've never seen a caterpillar house. I've never seen a caterpillar place. You know, as you go in there, oh, here's the caterpillar, different shades of grey. You know, it's like, his one has got a bit of yellow on it. But everybody wants to see the the. The, pro, the, the product of the transformation. But very few people want to go through the process because the process is a bit like this. Um, the, the caterpillar at a particular point of time spins a cocoon and then that cocoon, the caterpillar is completely hidden, right? So the process of transformation often starts in hiddenness. It starts in a place that you are not known, um, all of those sorts of things. Now, uh, please hear me. I'm explaining, um, you know, something's happening to me. And I'm really not griping about this. Um, but at one particular stage, I was the um, national leader and international leader of a, a network of churches in Australia. I was known around in the nation. I was hanging out with other significant leaders um, that you would know uh, in, in our nation and I was well known in our city because we had, I led a church in the city that was quite an influential church. Then over a period of time, all of that changed. And I only just, realized, only just recently I was just thinking, nobody knows me anymore. Nobody knows me. I don't have authority in the city anymore. I don't have authority in this nation anymore. 
people that I used to know, I, I don't have any contact with them anymore. And so it's, it's like, God, I'm just in this place of hiddenness. Um, and it's in this place of hiddenness that God's been doing some stuff in me and through me and, and, and creating other, other things that he wants to take me into the future. So it's been a part of the, me for a part of this transformation process. So hiddenness is where God begins to hide you or begins to hide a group of people or community in, in that cocoon because he wants to do something. Right now, he's always thinking, this is where I want to take this people. This is what I want to bring this people. I want to bring them out like the butterfly. But this hiddenness takes place. And then what happens is in, in that hiddenness, everything goes to mush. Everything liquefies. Right? Not, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if this feels a little bit, but, but it's, this is how it happens. So it's like everything that was um, uh, doing well, is of, it's, it's just gone to liquid. It's just gone, you know, you have that term, you know, where everything seems to go to liquid. Like everything just, and that's a part of the process. And so, you know, for me, um, <laughs> so many things went to liquid in this hiddenness time. So many things have been turned upside down. So many things have been struggled. So many things have been difficult. And so many things have just been like, oh, just liquid, just like, Right. But then what happens in the, in the cocoon, uh, something new is created. The, the butterfly starts to take shape. Um, and, um, and so the DNA that used to be in the, um, in, the, in the caterpillar is no longer that because a new DNA is being formed. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? God made all of this to take place. And then he told us about it and said, this is what, this is what it's going to be like in life. And that you'll have these times you'll come into and it'll be the right timing and you're going to come into hiddenness and it's going to come liquefied. It's going to mush, all of that sort of stuff. Things that used to be concrete are going to be nothing. Things that used to be important become nothing. Things that used to have shape will no longer have shape. Things that used to you could define no longer you can define. Because he said, out of that, I need to bring something into new. And the very new thing that I'm going to bring you into um, is going to be a very different than what it was. And so a, a, a butterfly um, begins to take place. And then what happens is that um, the butterfly needs to come out. And so he'll make a little hole and then squeeze. And it's pretty painful, but... They squeeze out through this hole. And what happens is you squeeze out through this hole, all the junk has come, comes off. Um, you know, strength, um, um, uh, life flows through it as he squeezes through. Uh, and, they, and they've tried all sorts of tests and they've tried these things of cutting, cutting the cocoon open so that the uh, butterfly can get out easily and they die. Because they haven't been through the process completely. And, and the process is, um, um, uh, uh, essential for what God wants to do. And so, therefore, you need to be careful that you don't judge the process or, as you say, the process. Just be careful you don't judge the process because God's at work and in transformation, there's always process process. I find it hard to say like you do it, but I'm sorry. 
um, there's, there's always process. There's always this place of, of things um, continually coming to the place where there's going to be completely different. Now, like I said to you, everybody wants the butterfly. Nobody wants the process. And so um, you either conform or you transform. Now, in this process, or process, <laughs> uh, it's important to understand uh, two things. And this is what I want to focus on, on, on this morning. Uh, in the backdrop of transformation, there are two things. I actually think there are two questions that every person on this planet gets to answer sooner or later. Two questions. They would be two things that you ought to keep asking, keep seeking, keep growing in. And the two questions are this. One, who is God? And two, who am I? Who is God? And who am I? Now, of course, when you answer who is God that you answer it in the positive, you answer it that you now come into a relationship, then you begin to understand who you are. And the more that you understand who you are, the more you'll understand who God is. And the more that you understand who God is, the more you'll understand who you are. And so it's, it's very, it's very um, uh, cyclic uh, in a spiral form. Um, and so they both connect with each other. You really don't know who you are. Uh, if you don't know who God is. So when you begin to understand who he is, then you begin more to understand who. And so really important in a, a season where things are, uh, are changing um, in the place of, of transformation to be reminded about who God is, to remind it that he is good and he's always good. Yeah? Hello? And John 10.10 says it like this. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. So that's the enemy, right? Anything that's got robbery on it, anything that looks like steal, it's kill, anything like that, it's the enemy. You know he's, he's in on that. He's doing something. He's, he's, he's at work in our lives too. So you know that if you're trying to... If you, try, if you feel like something's been killed off in your life or you're behaving in such a way that's killing somebody else's life, and I don't mean physically, I mean just like it's just robbing, then you know the enemy's at, 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 at work. And we, um, we all um, give him authority at times, you know, when we, when we partner with fear or we partner with insecurities. Uh, we, we let the enemy... We let the enemy have some authority. Now, of course, Jesus says, listen, that's, that's how the enemy behaves, but I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So abundant life is, is really the purpose of God. That's what God's about, right? Bringing life, bringing life to capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E, life, right? Abundant life, over the top. Um, I, I, Ephesians 3.20 um, I believe is the season that we live in. It's always been a scripture. It's always been there. But Ephesians 3.20 is where God has brought us into for this season where it says that he is able to do immeasurably more, right? Immeasurably more. If you look in the Greek, it's 
super abundantly, abundantly, abundantly. You know, it's like you can't, there's no words to describe how God wants to exceed our wildest dreams, our greatest expectation. He, he wants to exceed all of those sorts of things. That's his plan. That's what he's after. That's what he wants to see happen. He has destiny and calling for each of our lives. He has destiny for this city. But it'll only come through by transformation. So knowing who God is and then knowing who you are and knowing who I am. Now, um, this is the interesting bit because my, um, my experience has been that whilst I know in my head certain things, my heart needs to catch up to them. My insides need to catch up to them. Now, I know that I'm a son of God. I have no difficulty saying that. I know that I am a son of God. I, I know that I have once been an orphan, and so I'm still dealing with some orphan thinking. But I'm dealing with some stuff inside of me that, that, that the more that you understand, the more that you grow in it, the more that you get closer and closer to God, the more that it reveals. And, the, and it's like I've got to change again. I have to deal with some things again. Um, and, it, and it's times like, oh, goodness, I thought, I've, I thought I've just dealt with all of this. Let me give you an example of it. <sighs> if I have to. <laughs> okay. Um, last, last year, last um, uh, December, I was invited um, to be uh, a part of a, a prophetic apostolic council uh, for a company and, and, a, um, and uh, a, a ministry in um, Sacramento, California. And uh, so I was invited to this event. I'd been in relationship for them quite some time, teaching on the prophetic and doing all sorts of things there. So um, I came, and this whole week was to be a week of celebration. It was the um, beginning of the Jewish New Year, um, and um, um, I was really looking forward to it. So I arrived... And I found myself um, with a whole lot of other prophetic and apostolic people. So the first night was wonderful. Second day was quite good. And then some thoughts started to come towards me. And uh, unfortunately, at that time, those thoughts had a place to land. They had wounds to land on. And so it was like... Um, like uh, just different events occurred, you know, and it's just it was just like um, you're not as good as some of these others, you know. Listen to you see they, they don't even call mention your name. They don't quote from you. They're quoting everybody else, but not you. And I and I, and it was like yeah, that's right. It's a problem when you come into agreement with something that the enemy says. Um, because what happens is it, he, he, it's very subtle at the beginning, but it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so over that whole week, I got so stirred up, so in a in a in a in a place that it was it was like I'm convinced that I no longer had a part to play in this organisation. And it wasn't until the Friday that I um, humbled myself and went to the leaders and said, "This is what's going on," and they were just. They were lovingly horrified. Right? They were they were lovingly horrified, and they said, "Mark, this is so wrong. You're, this is not right. You're always going to have a table here. You're always going to have a place at the table." 
and um, it said a whole lot to sorts of things, really good things, but they, but they really they touched they touched me, and so I was just in a whole process, and that sort of continued for quite a while, and then um, um, I God started to show me some stuff, brought some friends along. Um, and, and you know what? Sometimes you can't deal with some of these sorts of things that start to rise in transformation by yourself. You actually have to have somebody else to help you. But you have to be prepared to realize this is, this is not me. Though it feels like me, it's not right. It's, it doesn't display the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's, it's more about independence and isolation. So, um, so... Uh, I I got over that. I I felt really ashamed at at being like that. You know, it's like this is not this is not mature. <laughs> um, you know, and then I had to go and tell them, and they all knew. Um, and um, and so um, I, I I sort of got over that. But I had some ministry, and and some things changed, and um, and then God just kept you know loving on me, and so I, I came back. Um, at the beginning of uh, this month, this is my trip over here. Came back, and this time it was just six of us um, that had now formed this prophetic apostolic council. And so the first night was good. Uh, the second day was okay to the part of the day, and then um, I started to have these thoughts again about that I'm really not um, as good as these guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not as um, not as severe as in October. But it, the thoughts were still there. I went to sleep and I got woken up at about 2.30 in the morning. And, uh, and the father woke me up with these words. He said, Mark, what you're feeling now is not you. It's the atmosphere around about you. And the atmosphere around about you is uh, intimida- uh, isolation, rejection, all of those sorts of things. This is not yours. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It's not mine. And the moment I began to come in agreement with God, with, with the well, so, so we have this choice. In, in, a, in a time when things are taking place, we'll either conform, and much of that has to do with identifying, uh, coming in agreement with the enemy, or transform, which is in agreement with God. So whatever God wants to bring to us will always bring transformation, will always take us through transformation. And it will take us through different experiences of that process. And it's often about hiddenness and it often will reveal some things in us that we don't like and that he doesn't like. But it's, 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 it's always about his love. It's always about him loving on us and taking us through. So here I am. And, um, and because when I began to agree with him, it just lost its power. It didn't go where it did, and I enjoyed the rest of the week, and and really have um, have felt um, so so I've 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 had a I've had some victory in that, and so that's no longer going to be uh, an issue for me, into the extent that it has, right? Because of the transformational work that God's been doing um, in me. So it's really important to know who God is, and it's really important to know who you are, and the very fact of knowing that God is good, then. When he takes us through places, we know it's going to be okay. Even though it doesn't feel like it. It's like David and Goliath. You know, David, David, this young boy, turns up to see the army of God who have, who have been lined up against the, the Philistines and against, and against Goliath. They are occupying the land that belongs to God's people. 
right? So they are there to take back the land. And so the army stands like an army, is, is spread out like an army, it looks like an army, smells like an army, but doesn't behave like an army. Because the moment that Goliath comes out and starts tormenting them, they, they, they run away. Now, it probably is okay if they did it once, but not 40 times. Right? And so David comes down and he says, look, what is going on here? What are you guys, what are you guys running for? You're an army. You're an army of God. You're God's people. You're God's army. You're under his protection. Look, this guy over here, this Goliath, he is um, an uncircumcised Philistine. What he says, he's not under the covenant of God. He's not under the protection of God. You're under the protection of God. Don't you know who your God is? Because he knew who his God is. He knew who he was. And so he wasn't, he, he was sounding arrogant, but he wasn't arrogant because that's what happens. Once you know who you are, once you realize who you are and you start walking in it, you actually start to sound arrogant to people who don't know who they are. Right? So David has opposition from three areas. He has opposition from his family. So his brother comes to him, and the reason that his brother comes to him is because his young, his young boy is showing up these older men, right? He's showing them up, he's, he, and he's causing insecurities in them to, to, be, to, to be shown up. It's like, how dare you tell us the truth? How dare you show us to be scared and people who are running away from God? That's the truth. That's what they're doing. But it's like, let's deny that. Let's just pretend that that's all part of it because a Goliath's too big for us. And then along comes this young boy who says, can't you see what's happening? Like, like he's got to go. And, uh, and, and, and so he, he's attacked by his brothers. And all really David says, isn't there a cause? Isn't there a cause? Right? Isn't there a cause? Doesn't... Aren't there people that need to be saved? Can't Cheyenne be changed in a day? Right? Can't this state be impacted so it becomes so on fire for God, which in, in, in turn affects this country? That's the cause. And so whenever we find ourselves, when it's all about us, and that's all you can see, then you have to keep coming back to the point, isn't there a cause? Wait, there's something wrong. And, and I was finding this too because there was something wrong. I am, so conf- I, am so, I am so overwhelmed. No, no, I'm so uh, focused on me and, and what's going on with me when there is a cause. And one of the things that I think the enemy wants to take us in, particularly in, in pl- times of transformation that's going on because everything is up in the air. Things aren't like they used to be. It's like, you know, it's like, wow, you know, like, what's going on here? And, and he loves to exploit those times. Um, and, and that's where it's important to go kick, come back to basics. Okay, this is who God is. There is a cause. This is who I am. This is who God's made me to be. That's not lining up, so that's got to go. The second thing, of course, is that... Um, Saul 
the king at the time. He says to David, well, David, um, come on, I know better than you. I've been around a lot longer than you. Um, I don't think that you can do this. You're a young man. And, 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 and David says, but hang on a minute. I've killed bears. I've killed lions just with a slingshot. I've got history. And he says, oh, okay, then. well, put on my armor because, you know, and let's put on the stuff that works. And David says, no, I can't do this. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit me trying to be somebody who I'm not. Um, and again, it's really important to discover who God has made you to be, not only just as a child of God, but what you're called to do and to do it and to walk in it. Because the temptation is to try and be something that you're not. Um, and if God wanted you, which he does, did do, while you're on the planet, then there's no good of trying to be somebody else because he wanted you. And if you're not going to be you, then who's going to be you? Right? If you're busy trying to be somebody else, then who's going to be you? Right? That's why comparison is so bad because comparison says, okay, God, you made me to be like this, but I don't want to be like you've made me. I want to be like somebody else. Right? And so what we do is we measure ourselves against other people instead of measuring ourselves against Jesus, who is always going to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is our measuring stick. He is one that we come up to and say, hey, you know, how's my life stacking up against, against you and what you did and what you're doing? When we, when we compare ourselves with other people, and, 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 and don't look at me like you don't do it because you do it all the time because I do it. Right, and I and I and I'm I'm changing that because every time I speak this, it's keep reminding me. The enemy always attacks destiny and calling. He wants to try and convince us, convince you, that you haven't heard from God, and if you did hear something, it wasn't correct. Right, because he did that. He did that with Adam and Eve. He said, "Did God really say that?" And it hasn't, hasn't stopped. That's why I think it's really interesting that um, one of the things that we talk about, we talk about wilderness times, right? Yeah? Yes? Wilderness times. And most people talk about wilderness times as being terrible times. I'm in a wilderness time. It's, nothing's happening. It's a real bad time in my life. Hey, listen, wait a minute. Wilderness times in the Bible were always good times. Hello? Just think about it, okay? So Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit, God took him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness time, he didn't eat or drink, but I think that he had the most significant time there because when he came out, he was full of power, right? I know he had encounters with the enemy, but it, it would have been the time when he was supernaturally looked after and cared for. The children of God, I know that because of unbelief, they went into the wilderness. But if you imagine for 40, day, 40 years, day and night, being completely supernaturally looked after by God, fed, watered, your clothes didn't wear out, you, there, was, there was health, all of these sorts of things that were taking place. It was supernatural. It was significant revelational times. It was times when they changed from being 
prisoners and slaves into being the children of God in this transitional time. So wilderness is always about transition. It's where God brings people into a place and say, okay, like Jesus, it's time for the carpenter time of your life, the time that you lived on this planet to decrease so that you can actually start to step in your calling and ministry. So times that God brings people into wilderness um, and usually by design, sometimes it's because of disobedience, and that's a different uh, arena. But when God brings you into a time, it's to transition you out of the previous and into the new. That's what hiddenness is all about. That's what transform- the transformational process is all about. The caterpillar is no longer being the caterpillar. It, it, it's everything's changing. The DNA is changing so that he can become the, cater- become the butterfly because the butterfly is the destination. It's good, Mark. <coughs> now, each of us have experienced different things through life experiences, We all have wounds. We all have wrong perspectives. We all have paradigms about things and about God and life and all of those sorts of things. And God uh, is 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 so generous with us and so loving with us, um, and and that uh, He says it's my goodness and kindness that leads you to repentance. Now, repentance is about changing the way that you live. Think, I mean, changing about the way that you think, which will change the way that you live. One of, the, um, um, one of the growing crimes in society um, is a, a crime called identity theft. It's, a, it's a, on the increase. Um, they say that in the US, a new victim of identity a theft occurs every two seconds. So what it means is that people steal somebody else's identity so that they can get money, loans, bank accounts, all those sorts of things in somebody else's name. So then that other person's credit is then destroyed. And, 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 and it hasn't happened to me, but I've heard of people that it has happened to. And it takes so long to get things back. It's so, it is so bad. Now, the Bible says first in the natural, then in the spiritual. So what we're seeing is the, that there's a, a this crime of identity theft. And the enemy's doing the same thing in the spiritual. He's trying to steal our identities from us to convince us that we're not who the Father says that we are, right? He did it right in the beginning. Adam and Eve, God says, I have made you in my image. I've made you in our likeness. And then also speaking about us. And the very thing that the enemy does, he's challenged them and says, says, you know, um, um, if you eat of this fruit, um, then you will become somebody. You become like God because your eyes will be opened up and you'll see like him. The problem was that they already were. They were already like God. They were made in his image. So what happens is the enemy tries to get us to work for something that's already ours. And he tries to get us to think that we're not good enough, that we have to strive a little bit more to be somebody when we already are that person. So if you, as long as you're engaged in trying to become something, <clears throat> that you already are, then you don't enjoy living in who you are. Right? It's good. <clears throat> Romans, Romans 8, 19 says this. Um, 
For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This is, this is, a, this is a scripture that consistently comes back to me. Um, and it's like this. Let me unpack it for a little bit. The earnest expectation of creation. Now, earnest expectation, um, it really is um, a, a, another word for hope. <coughs> but but it's, it's expectation is really hope. So earnest expectation is sort of hope with hot sauce on it, you know. Some of, some of Joy's top hot sauce, you know, the stuff, the five-star burn your insides out sauce. Right, because it's it's got attitude, it's got it's got oomph, it's got you know it's like it's turbocharged, it's just not a normal hope. Now God's put that in creation, and He's put in everything that's around a bus in, in the creation, in the very fabric of the creation. There's an expectation. These are not my words; they are the words of the Scripture. So that's in creation. Creation is waiting for something. It lives in a constant place of waiting. And the waiting is for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, when you read Scripture, you have to understand that there is a, always a, a more a continuous type tense in many areas. It's like it, it has happened and it's still yet to happen. So that you and I know that we're sons, but the, the creation is waiting for us to behave like sons. It's waiting for the church to behave like the church as sons and daughters of the king. Instead of living as beggars, instead of living as widows, instead of living as, as, as people who are so often mindsetted that they are not embracing who God has said them to be. So when you live in a transformational culture, you have to know who God is. You have to be in a place where that is totally being upgraded all of the time. You're understanding this more. I said this the other night. Um, when I read Revelation um, uh, uh, several times and I see the elders there and they're standing there going, holy, holy, holy. I used to think, what a boring job that is. I'm glad I'm, I don't want that job. I don't want to spend holy, you know, eternity just standing there, holy, holy, holy. It's like boring. So, you know, you'd want to say something like holy and it's really holy, you know, just to add some variety to it. And, and so... Um, I then had this revelation as I was reading it. I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe it's not as bland as holy like that. Maybe it's like this, holy, oh, wow. And it's holy, holy, wow, I've seen another aspect of God. You know, because God is, 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 is there, you, you ca it's hard to define who he is, and yet we do define, and yet there is so many aspects of God <clears throat> There's so many aspects of every part of his nature that all eternity long we're not going to be bored. Right? So it means what you understand today about faith, hope, and love, tomorrow can change. And the next day, and the next day. Does that mean that you're wrong because of what you understood today? No, you just understood some more. But if we live in a place where we say, listen, I know who God is. I've got him all summed up. Then I'm sorry, but you're in for a surprise. Because we are actually being prepared for eternity. So there are some things that we get to do on this planet. Listen, there won't be any transformation happening in heaven because it's already transformed. 
right? Now it will go on from on glory to glory to glory, but here on this earth, transformation needs to happen, right? So that's why it's important in the processes of what you have, keep going back to the originals. Keep going back to two questions. Who is God? Who is God to me today? What is God revealing to me about himself today? And what's he revealing about me? And keep growing in that. They've got to be your anchors. They are anchors that will anchor you in the process of transformation. Because I'm telling you, you have some amazingly exciting days ahead of you. That sort of you know, did warrant a little bit more excitement than that. I'm telling you, I can see, I know you had some amazingly exciting days ahead of you. If you believe anything else, you're believing a lie. Your best days still have to be ahead of you. But I'm telling you, there's some exciting days because I know that you've been in this transformational process yourself. I know that what I'm talking to you is really describing the process that you've been in that you've been in hiddenness, that you've been in a place where things have been going to liquefied. And I know something is being produced that's the butterfly that's going to burst its way out and it's going to be very different than the caterpillar. Your future is going to be very different than you thought it was going to be, right? And so that's why it's really important that, you, that we understand this transformational concept of metamorphosis, what it is. And we understand we have to fix ourselves on who is God and who we are. And it's something that you, you need to keep going back to. You need to reminding each other, hey, you know, uh, come on. This is what God has said about you. This is what he's prophesied. Remember what he said? This is what you get to step into. Okay, let me finish. I'll try and finish on this. Um, <clears throat> um, a lot of Christians only know um, the Holy Spirit's work in a very limited form and something that's not really... Um, according to the scripture, his job for, with us. And that's they, they know him as convicting them when they do something wrong or said something wrong. I'm sure he can, he can do that. But that's not what the scripture says that his job is. It's, it's to convict the world of sin. Um, his job is to convict us of what we are to still to step into. The Holy Spirit wants, to, wants us to wants to step into righteousness, peace, joy. He wants us to step into things of the kingdom. He wants to, he's the sort of person to say, hey, you're better than this, right? Not from a condemning point of view because Jesus dealt with condemnation, right? So it's always about, hey, you're better than this. There's more for you to step into. Come on, step up, step into this. It's be- there's more. There's more to be done. There's more for you to step into. There's more for you to embrace. And it's always from an invitational place. So, let me pray. Is that all right? I'm going to do it anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, just remember, um, the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is about right standing. That's a sin issue. Uh, peace is, is, a, is about um, an internal peace. It's a peace where um, God deals with um, things that are in you, baggage that you've, other people have packed for you. It 
you know, stuff that's inside of you, uh, particularly in the area of deliverance. That's what that's about, and joy is about healing. You know, joy is about, you know, the difference that, that you can make because it's a catalyst. It will make some difference in the world. Righteousness, peace, and joy, that's what the kingdom is about. So let's pray. Father, <laughs> Father, I thank you that you've been sustaining these people. Father, I thank you that you're about to take them into a season of thriving. Father, that you're about to take them into a time and a season where um, they will see uh, so much fruit, uh, so many things, Father, that will be so different than what they expected things to be, but so in line with what you have for them. Father, I ask for, for courage, a supernatural courage to come upon every person here, boldness, a courage to stand in who you're called to be and a, and a, and a courage to ask for help when things begin to surface that need dealing with. Father, I ask for, for such an assurance to continually come upon them about who you are and who they are. Father, an understanding of the process that they go through. Father, I want to speak over this group of people today an alignment of time that you would bring the uh, time that's been out of alignment into alignment so that they would be aligned in your appointed time so that any uh, uh, things that are unaligned would come into alignment, that you would bring alignment to this community of people, this gathering of people, this church, and over individual lives, those that would say amen to this, that, Father, that you will bring their lives into alignment, divine alignment occurring today, Father, with the time and the time and season that they would come into. Father, where they've been out of time, where they've been out of sync, that no longer would be the case because they've come into alignment, that they would have time and the what to accomplish what you've called them to accomplish, that they would have time and the what and the very thing they need, the things that they need to accomplish what you've called them to do. So, Father, that they would come into that alignment, that little timing would come into light, night and day, day and night, just as you created it, Father God, as you created Kairos time, Father God, the appointed time, things will move to come into that alignment, Father, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We receive that, Father God. We receive that, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I speak it over people's lives where there's been misalignment, where things haven't been aligned. Father, come into alignment in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. One of the things that I want to say to you too is um, <clears throat> that um, I, want, I encourage you to keep contending for healing. Um, and this morning I was, I was so um, aware that um, a strong part of what you 
are called as people of God to do is about healing. And it's about divine healing. But it's also, um, there is a place in which you'll also help people to know how to adjust some things in the natural that will cause the natural to come into alignment with um, the supernatural, with God's healing. Uh, and it's a contending that you need to go, uh, you need to do. There's a contending for that. Um, and, the, and the Father is saying, don't give up, uh, don't stop, um, don't let discouragement in any way, shape or form, discouragement means the re- removal of courage, um, uh, stop you from, uh, because in due season, in due season you will reap. In due season you will reap. Uh, and, uh, and, and I really feel like it's, it's an area of contending that you need to contend for. And so every time that it feels like you have a setback, go after the payback, right? Every time that you feel like something comes upon you that stops you from being able to pray for people's healing or see healing or whatever else, go for the payback. Go, no, this is, we're going to go harder. We're going to go more. We're going to go after this. Um, and, and I could say this in every church, but I really feel like the Lord has given me an authority to declare it here and say, listen, keep going for this because it's, it's part of your mandate. It's part of what you're in the city for. You're in the city to bring about healing. And God is going to continue to teach you some things. He's going to continue to show you some stuff. He's going to continue to bring some things upon you that you're going to see outstanding miracles. Right, you're going to see outstanding miracles. Right, and and um, we're living in a time when there are outstanding things happening around the place. Right, right? Uh, I I've just seen some amazing things in the last twelve months. Um, and and I've, I'm I'm hearing firsthand of some things, like a five-year-old girl gets a hand caught in a fire door. And it bends at the wrist, but it also bends back here. So it's broken, completely broken through, right? Screaming head off. Her father and mother grab her, put some ice on it, going to take her to, to uh, this is at Sacramento, going to take her to ER. And he, and he thinks, well, you should just pray for this first. So he just says a real rushed prayer because they're going to go to the ER. She's screaming her head off, right? And so they just speak healing over this, put her in the car, strap her in the car seat, and starting to drive off, but she's not screaming anymore. So, oh. so they turn around to to look at her, and she's okay. And they so they test it out. They hand her something, so she has to get. She reaches out with the hand that was broken, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh. And so they're looking at it, and it's like it looks pretty, looks healed. So, but we'll go to the ER anyway. They get there and they tell the doctors. The doctors are like, yeah, right. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay, tell us another thing. Can you, will you um, at least x-ray? <laughs> no, we're not going to x-ray that. There's nothing wrong with it. Charge them $600 to tell them there's nothing wrong with it. But I suppose $600 for a testimony like that is worth it. But just remember, there's no testimony without a test. right? And we are supposed to live in places of testimony and not tests of money. The testimony, there's no. The, see, if you if you have a te- if you want a testimony and there's no test, you're just left with a money. No, I'm serious. I'm not. I, I'm playing with words, but it's the truth. You get testimony because you go through a test. Yeah. 
Right? That was a test. Right? He told me another amazing thing with his with his, with his father. He's a good friend of mine, um, and, uh, and and been sort of separated from 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 his dad. I mean, not badly, but just you know, his, his father had remarried, and there was another family. But his father developed brain cancer, a tumor, I think, and was in hospital, not doing very well at all. He goes up there and he sees him and just prays for him. Um, no great prayer. Um, and and walks out later to be contacted by other members of the family to say, Dad's up and walking around. He's been through uh, MRIs and they can't find any trace of the tumor. It's gone. Now, this is the sort of season that we're living in. This is the time that we're living in. Uh, are we seeing everybody? No. We're not yet at the place where Jesus, but Jesus said, listen, this is, my, this is what a normal Christian life looks like. I'm going to show you what it's like. Right? He demonstrated what the normal Christian life looks like. The Bible tells that, and that's why in, in, in uh, John 17, he, he said to the Father, before he went to the cross, he said, I've finished the work that you've done, that you sent me to do. What was the work? He hadn't been to the cross yet. The work was that he'd finished demonstrating what it looks like to live as a son of God on the planet. Right? Am I saying the cross is not important? Absolutely not, please. That was very much. But that was a part of what he was on the planet for. Right? That was prophesied and that was going to be. But it appears to me that the main thing that Jesus felt was the work that he was doing was to show what it looks like to be a son of God on the planet. Because had not Jesus done that, we'd have no idea what a son looks like. We'd have no idea what it looks like to be that. So how could God call us children of God? We wouldn't. So what does that look like? We do know what that looks like. And so that's who we are looking to see because he's, he was the most transformational person to ever live on this planet. And that's what it looks like. Thank you, Mark. So uh, we're going to contend right now for some healing. Uh, we got a word uh, some years ago that the Lord was going to heal brains here. So, I mean, the brain is an organ, like the heart or the liver, and things go wrong with organs. So, uh, if, if there's anything that's not right, I mean, I, I think this could even be depression, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, I just invite you to stand if, if you want some healing uh, in, in your brain. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's stand up uh, if you want some prayer for healing. Uh, okay, now, body, let's, let's gather around these people and let's make sure that everyone who is standing gets prayer. Uh, and I'm, Lord, I'm just uh, stepping out to contend for the things that you've told us are ours. Uh, you said that you were going to heal brains here. So we say yes, and we step into that. Uh, if, if you've been through any vineyard prayer training, then uh, you're released to minister to people right now. And uh, we, Lord, we just look forward to the testimonies of, of what you're doing. So, so let's pray. And... Uh, See what God does.